Thank you for joining us this week on The Tongue with Dr. Mike. I'm so glad you're back with us again. Make sure you're visiting our website, thetonguespeakslife.com, and you're accessing all of our podcasts from the, the past. You can check out all of our other projects on that site. You can check out on Facebook, In My Father's House. Make sure you're going on there. You're joining the conversation. Get involved with the encouragement from everybody. Get updates and indications on when the new shows are coming, who the guests will be on here. Pillars of Heaven, the podcast with JB and Leah are on there. The um, new show coming out with Joanna and Miss Mimi from Prayer Warriors. The Bible study will be coming shortly. You can get updates on Cure International. I want to take a minute to talk about Cure International, right? There's so many ways to give uh, at, at Cure International. The link's right on the tonguespeakslife.com. Click it there. You can donate right to them. You can help a child every month. You can do a monthly partnership. That means, you know, uh, Cure shows up every day to treat children in need, right? You can sponsor a child's surgery. You can do, a, you know, that gift will help provide life-changing surgery for a child in need. You can help build the operating rooms there. You leave a legacy for generations by investing in a Cure hospital. Uh, you can, uh, if you're in the position to um, uh, ship donated medical supplies and equipment, I mean, your gifts multiplied up to 20 times. It, it's so many ways to get involved with Cure International. I want you to go check that out. I challenge you to go check that out. The TongueSpeaksLife.com. At the bottom there, there's also a place where you can uh, donate directly to the tongue. That helps out all the projects that we have our hands on. And as our family keeps growing, I just want to welcome everybody back here. Thank you wherever you're listening to it. Thank you, God, for the, the wide reach this program is having. And we're going to jump right into it. Today's topic is about being reminded that God is in control. We are going to go back to the story of the flood, and we're going to stay in the Old Testament for a little bit. And we'll start there, but we'll jump ahead to the New Testament for a few verses. I want you to... Um, pay attention, realize what's being said and what these passages have in common, right? It's during, you know, these present times, we realize we're on, we're on the brink of a never before circumstance on earth. We, we, the world is in such panic right now. We stand on the, on the razor's edge of global war with nuclear ramification now, right? Never before has mankind been on the edge of this mass extinction, you know, that we have the possibility before now. You know, we're not just one disaster can happen, but quickly a large scale annihilation of human life as we know it, right? The fallout from the situation that's brewing could be catastrophic and it could change life forever as we know it, right? We earnestly await Jesus to return. And that, that you know, Jesus returning, that brings up so much discussion about the rapture when it'll happen, uh, what that will usher in, what are the circumstances around, you know, the remaining unsaved. How will they explain the mass instantaneous vanishing of millions across the world? As, as we get caught up together with Jesus in the clouds, like think of the mass devastation left on earth for the unsaved. They have to figure out what just happened, right? And, and think of the Christians who are, are driving or operating large equipment or flying planes that all vanish. And now there's no one to control and steer these vehicles, right? Think of the worldwide chaos, that, uh, the chaos that will instantly fall on the earth, right? With no answers, no explanations. And, and who's going to be the first to admit that, you know, hey, all the believers in Christ are gone. Are they going to make that connection? 
You know, talk about a time for someone with all the answers to step up and explain what's happened and offer solutions for those desperately looking for for guidance and leadership, right? Enter Antichrist, right? How will they explain, uh, you know, that? How will they explain that? You know, once we're gone, will will it be aliens? Uh, You know, there's so much attention and so-called proof of existence. uh, It's pointed at aliens. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, it's been around in theory and whatever, but now it's just a massive explosion of of alien uh, categories and topics. And it's, it's, you know, are there aliens out there? A topic for another day, right? But, you know, how are they going to explain this? Did aliens take some of us? That, That could be something they... You know, they used to explain it. Solar flare, we talked about that. You know, will it be a certain types of blood types that can't handle exposure to this solar flare that's coming? You know, these people were instantly vaporized. Is another strain of COVID coming? You know, and this strain instantly melts you away to nothing? Or or what about nuclear attack, right? How easy will it be to explain that, you know, due to the fallout of nuclear explosion, Certain body types couldn't handle the radiation or, or they got instantly vaporized or, or disintegrated, right? On, on, we're on the dawn of a nuclear holocaust, right? But how, how easy will it be to explain that, you know, there's just, if there was a huge uh, nuclear holocaust, you know, how easy would it be for them to explain that it was just not a casualty from nuclear attack? It'd be pretty easy. You know, especially if coupled with a new order, you know, that has the answers on how to move forward. It promises peace. It eases global tension. You know, if you're hearing this for the first time after a huge portion of humanity is missing, then, you know, make no mistake, Christ has returned and he raptured his church. You know, and what lies ahead for those left behind is not a pleasant journey at all. But the good news is that there's still hope, right? Even after Jesus has returned and taken his people away, there's still time for for you to get to know him and to be saved during that tribulation time you know the topic of of what to expect we can go on for that you know for hours and and messages and and you know maybe the next time on the tongue we'll talk about what what to do if the christians disappear you know but for now let's jump into the bible and, and let's go back to seeing as we face these more natural disasters than ever before these earthquakes you know the beginning of birth pains we talked about you know, if you notice, they're more frequent, they're in more places, they're more intensity. So remember, we're told that these things start to begin the, you know, as they start to begin to happen, uh, you look up for your redemption draws nigh, right? So here we go. Genesis 8, verse 1. This is the NIV version, okay? But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days the water had gone down, and on the seventeenth day of the seventh month the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the tenth month, and on the first day of the tenth month the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. 
But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, then in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Verse 22 says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So now we jump into chapter 9, which is God's covenant with Noah. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by human shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you... Be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock and all the wild animals, all that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring, bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. 
right? So the, the evil of the world was purged through flood, right? And here we see the covenant of God that promises he will not destroy all life with the flood again, right? Now that same symbol, you know, has been changed today to identify something completely different, right? But let's jump, let's keep going. Let's go uh, Job chapter 36. Again, this is NIV, right? God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his ways for him or said to him, you have done wrong. Remember to extol his work, which people have praised in song. All humanity has seen it. Mortals gaze on it from afar. How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years is past finding out. He draws up the drops of water, which distill as rain to the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture and abundant showers fall on mankind. Who can understand how he spreads out the clouds, how he thunders from his pavilion? See how he scatters his lightning about him, bathing the depths of the sea. This is the way he governs the nations and provides food in abundance. He fills his hands with lightning and commands it to strike its mark. His thunder announces his coming storm. Even the cattle make known its approach. At this my my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the earth, uh, to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, fall on the earth, and to the rain shower, be a mighty downpour, so that everyone he has made may know his work. He stops all people from their labor. The animals take cover. They remain in their dens. The tempest comes out from its chamber, the cold from the driving winds. The breath of God produces ice, and the broad waters become frozen. He loads the clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. At his direction, they swirl around over the face of the whole earth to do whatever he commands them. He brings the clouds to punish people or to water his earth and show his love. There's a clear distinction of God here using his creation, his creation in the manner that he pleases, right? Like who can compare with the awesomeness of God? You know, everything obeys his command. Nothing is done without his knowing. Right? What a specific design and pattern. It shows us how, with a simple rain, he can get all things to stop. Right, us, us stop our labor, animals take cover. He commands the wind, he commands the clouds, the lightning. They all obey him. Right? Let's jump in the Psalms. This is a Psalm of David's, chapter 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waves. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. See, here we have a beautiful example of, again, the power of God, 
right? We see that everything is at his command, yet he still gives strength and power and peace. Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord is our helper, right? Jehovah Ezer. We see over and over and over that the Lord is our helper, the maker of heaven and earth, right? Israel would have been wasted if God was not on our side. Completely wasted. We know Israel fell, but I mean completely wiped. You know, the Lord is our helper, and that's reassuring. And we hear that over and over you know, throughout the Bible, you know, um, throughout the Bible verses, throughout all of Scripture, the Lord being my helper, the Lord being, you know, a blessing and an encouragement to you and yours, right? The Lord's my helper. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Psalms 54, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Hebrews 13, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Psalm 37, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Isaiah 41, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 13, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Joshua says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Back to Psalms, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Hebrews 13 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 4, 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There he will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Psalm 118 says, The Lord is on my side. He is my helper. Hebrews 13 says, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, right? Over and over, the Lord is my helper. Jeremiah 31, this is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of what they have done, declares the Lord. See, again, we see that God is the Lord of everything, right? There's a promise to Israel basically letting them know here uh, he's never going to leave them. Right, so this continues on into the New Testament. We're still in New, uh, the NIV version. This is Romans, um, where we're told we're more than conquerors. 
What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a never-ending promise to believers that nothing can separate us from God. We are empowered through him. He didn't even spare his own son for our sake. Then how will he leave us if he gave up so much for us, right? This is a reevaluation that, that needs to take place with believers, that no matter what we face, God is there with us. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can be done to us to erase what has already been done through Jesus. The bottom line is that you're love, and it's God who justifies. First Peter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith are of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you did not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with this greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have not been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things, right? Then we look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Ephesians 3.14 was, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of this glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the spirit of your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with, of all fullness of God. Now to him who is unable to, 
do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power or is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father God, thank you for always having the situation in control. Even though it seems like the walls are crumbling and we're in the middle of the storm, you know, we've learned through your word that we are not to focus on that storm. It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus that we start to sink. Thank you for working everything for our benefit, whether we see it or not. Thank you for that nothing can separate us from you. Let us be reminded that nothing on earth happens by chance, by luck, or by why, how men predict. You hold all the answers and, and the control. Thank you, even though we face disasters and heartache, that you are there to get us through these things. Thank you for promising that you will never leave us. I pray that the listeners to this message be strengthened and encouraged, and that they realize it's okay to submit all to you and then allow you to work in their life. The hardest thing is to let go, but that is where our faith grows. Help us to learn to surrender control. Let your children gain gain strength as they learn to lean on you and, and let them believe that you are the author of our hope and, uh, and you're our helper. Over and over, we're told you're our helper. I pray your children ask and seek help in these times of need. As we draw closer to Jesus returning, let us gather as many of our loved ones to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father God, for loving us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And because of him, we have that direct path, uh, the direct relationship to God the Father through Jesus. It's so easy to find Jesus. And we, we told you before, it's so simple to accept God into your heart. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's so easy to get to find Jesus. Father, I pray those who are struggling and those who are at their wits end and those who are, are struggling and, and don't know where to turn, I pray that they turn their eyes up. I pray they release control and they invite you into their life to take over. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.